This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. For years, I was so fed up with shampoo, I just stopped washing my hair. I quit completely. I was so sick of poofy, frizzy, limp hair, distorting my natural oils. Until a few months ago, I found modern mammals, and it changed everything. And by the way, right now you can visit modernmammals.com and use code LSS for 10% off. So check that out. So look, I heard about this through the podcast, and before I agreed to advertise, they sent it to me, and I was reluctant. But let me tell you, I should not have been. This stuff is absolutely magical. My hair felt better, smelled way better, and most importantly, looked better. And I know it will do the same for you as well. It doesn't have those hair-ruining chemicals like other products, and it doesn't leave any leftover residues. It works. Don't believe me? Go read their awesome reviews online as well. Go to ModernMammals.com and use code LSS for 10% off. Again, that's ModernMammals.com for 10% off with promo code LSS. Don't forget to use our promo code LSS so they know we sent you. Everybody, so nice to have you here on Monday morning. It's April. It's gorgeous. No, it's May. Holy crap, it's May. Can you believe it? May 1st. This year has flown by. Hey, welcome to another episode of Lead Singer Syndrome. As always, I'm your host, Shane Told, and uh, things are really good with me. Thanks for asking. Uh, Yeah, man, I got so much stuff going on right now. It is wild. It is crazy. Silverstein just got back from a tour with Good Charlotte, which was super fun. Different kind of tour for us. You know, we're not really a pop punk band, uh, but the Madden Brothers were cool. All the other members of Good Charlotte are super, super nice guys. So that was a lot of fun. Thanks to everybody who came out across Canada to hang with me. It was very nice to see some sinners all up in there. And coming up next, I'm doing a solo tour. River Oaks, that's the name of my solo project. I'll be playing some of those songs, a bunch of Silverstein songs, uh, acoustic covers, all kinds of stuff. It will be very fun. Uh, Yeah, that's happening soon. Like the first show is May 10th. So we're going to be like 10 days out from now. Uh, So make sure you grab tickets if you live in the following cities because this is where I'm coming. I'm coming to Chicago, Las Vegas, woohoo, Los Angeles. Anaheim and San Diego, all great places. Uh, I know people are going to be coming out in droves, so get your tickets now. RiverOaksMusic.com. They're like 13 bucks or something. They're super cheap, and there is a VIP option too if you want to say hi, whatever. I mean, you can say hi to me anyways, but if you want to make it a formal thing, we got the VIP option again. That's RiverOaksMusic.com. After that, Silverstein's heading to South America, and then the entire Warp Tour. Oh, my God. And um, that is a nice segue into uh, today's episode. We have Kay Flay on the show, a little bit different guest for this show, although apparently she is getting to be quite the metalhead. I asked her about that. And uh, we talk a lot about Warp Tour uh, because... She did Warp Tour back in 2014, and uh, yeah, well, I don't want to spoil it. She'll be talking about it. It's so great to have her. She is awesome. If you don't know about her yet, you will. And her music is super unique. It's catchy, but it's also important. And I think it's important to have women on this show. And of course, it's important to have people from all different genres. I don't want to just stick to punk rock or metal or metalcore or emo or whatever. I know that's my scene. That's the music I play. So that tends to be what happens on the show. But this is lead singer syndrome. It doesn't matter what the genre is. If you're a lead singer, you can be on this show. Before we get into it with Kay Flay, again, I love the feedback. I love when people get in touch. Email leadsingersyndrome at gmail.com. We're on all the social media. I know I rhyme them off every week. I won't do that this week. And if you like the show, 
Feel free to write a review on iTunes, preferably five stars. It does go a long way in shooting this thing up the charts, you know, uh, which apparently my producers say is important. So I don't know. If you like the show, that would really help us out. Another way you can help us out is if you buy anything on Amazon, use the Amazon affiliate link. The link for that is just leadsingersyndrome.com slash Amazon. Takes you right to the Amazon homepage. You log in like normal. And anything you buy, we get 4 to 6%. It costs you absolutely nothing. I don't know why they do it, but I don't care. It really does help keep the lights on. Speaking of keeping the lights on, we do have the Lead Singer Syndrome All Access Club. I'm not going to talk about it at all this week. If you need more content, if once a week is not enough for you, we have this option. We have a great group. Shout out to all my sinners. Love you all. Check it out. The link for that is leadsingersyndrome.com slash all access. Another thing I've been doing for the past few weeks is talking about all the other great podcasts that are on the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. Um, this week, I'm going to talk about one that I've been on before, uh, run by my very, very good friend, Ray Harkins. It's called 100 Words or Less. It's a show I've been listening to myself for years. I don't even know what episode Ray is up to. Uh, many, many episodes, many great episodes. I think he's interviewed four out of five members of my band. And I got to be honest... His podcast is a big inspiration for what I do. Big, big time. So so as for the description, 100 Words or Less is a discussion with people in and around independent music with host Ray Harkins. The show gets in deep with creators and people who've been profoundly influenced by independent music and DIY culture. Upcoming guests include Josh Scogan from 68 Norma Jean, that's a good guest, and Cameron from Sorority Noise, and 250 past episodes to dive into. There you go, 250 episodes. Visit 100wordspodcast.com or just search for 100 words or less on your favorite podcast app. All right, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, it's time. Here is my conversation with Kay Flay. Maybe I've been slipping back, heading south, car sick on a Tuesday, missing cash, blacking out, heartless in a few ways, shit for luck, elbow shredded, I help things steady like too late, please calm the fuck down, I'll do whatever you say. I get it, I get it, I'm living too hard and it's time that I stop it, but rising on up and then tumbling down while it's part of the process, bar tabs on a hot night in a cold basement. Yeah, I'm crazy, but I feel amazing. My mother told me that the world just got its plan. Hey, what's up? Not too much. How you doing? Hey, I'm super good. You actually called on time. Like, no one ever calls on time. I'm oh, a, I'm sorry. I'm, a... I'm actually a couple <laughs> minutes late, in fact, because oh. I your your phone number wasn't in my calendar, so I had to call my... I had to find it out. So oh, I would my. have actually been incredibly... I'm a very, I was raised in this very like old fashioned Midwest way where I like have to be on time for everything. That's amazing because I'm never on time for anything ever. <laughs> uh, I'm the worst. So yeah, so no, that's impressive. So I'm very impressed because, you know, like sometimes like we set this up like, I don't know, a week ago and I'm usually with people I'm like, uh, yeah, remember we have this thing tomorrow and someone's like, yeah, and then they still forget. So, you know, right. it's just rock and roll. People are notoriously uh, absent minded and you're not. Yeah, I'm credited. But I heard you're a metalhead now. <laughs> Super b big into metal. Well, I'm I'm getting there. I mean, <laughs> I, I I would definitely definitely not call myself a metalhead quite yet. But you know, for me, the the sort of kind of musical exploration of the last couple of years has been heavy music. Like cool. growing up, I was very I was like scared of it. Oh, really? Kind of. Well. I, I think I had this sense that that heavy music gave me anxiety, um, and that's that can still be true. I'm not gonna say that like blanket statement. That's not the case, but um, you know, I think once I got exposed to it um, and started really digging in, I realized that it did not make me anxious. Yeah, that's funny. Yeah, with with me, I don't know. When I first heard, you know, my first love was I want to talk about you, but my first love was metal. And I remember really? my older sister, seven years older than me, um, used to blare like Metallica in her room, you know, and I wasn't allowed <laughs> to go in there. So it was like the coolest thing. And then and then right away when, you know, when she was she would be out with her friends, I'd like sneak into her room and like play those records. And for me, it was like it was the opposite of anxiety. Like I felt a release or something, 
And I don't know why, because I'm like 11, 10, 11 years old. Like, I don't know what I was angry about, but I felt this like release, for, you know, and it was absolutely the, the, for me, it was almost relaxing. So Totally. And, and I think I'm like getting there. And I have to say, I'm listening to like heavy music and it kind of some experimental stuff, some metal too, but yeah. I'm not like fully metallic yet. Right. <laughs> yeah, well, it's a slippery slope. I mean, you're going to be listening to like, I don't know, like Cradle of Filth or something before you know it. Oh, God. I don't I don't know. See, <laughs> band names like that scare me still. Like, I'm like, oh, God. I mean, no offense to them. I, I'm sure they're like very nice people. I'm but, sure they're lovely. Um, <laughs> yeah. Really funny. That's just such a gnarly name. Yes, it definitely is. Um, but back to you. I mean, uh, it's really, really nice to have you, and thanks for taking the time to do this. Uh, you know, we talk about metal right away, which is funny because I do interview a lot of metal guys, punk guys and stuff, and you're so uh, kind of all over the place. Um, and I don't mean that in an insulting way. Uh, just no, mu- no. Just musically. And and I find it really interesting just kind of the way you came up, and it's very atypical how you, you know, your, your musical career path has gone. Um, so I guess like the, the place to start that makes the most sense is just kind of from the beginning. I mean, um, you know, we got long format and stuff, so there's always lots to talk about. And, you know, you say you grew up in the Midwest. Um, what yes. was your exposure like to music like early in your life? Well, you know, it, it's kind of interesting. As you say, my um, my entry into music and, and kind of my path has been sort of atypical. And I think I, I realized this recently. I think a lot of that stems from the fact that music wasn't a part of my emotional or social identity as a young person. Like I oh, talk yeah. to a lot of, you know, musicians now and they're like, even like, like you're saying, like blasting music in your room and feeling this kind of like, you know, psychic or emotional release. I never, I didn't have that experience until my twenties. So it, you know, there was music in the household for sure. And my parents, I have a biological dad, a stepdad who then adopted me and my mom. And so all three of them were, you know, listen to music and go to concerts, still go to a ton of concerts. Yeah. Um, and are, are certainly, you know, invested, I think, in, in music and in live music, especially. But for, for whatever reason, it never, you know, I listen to music. I go to concerts, but it was never like this part of me in a, in a visceral way. And right. I, I think, I think as a consequence of that, I've just had a very strange, <laughs> journey through everything. Yeah, I know. That's interesting. Yeah, like it's it sounds like almost as a, you know, teenager, whatever, into, you know, into becoming an adult, you just didn't have passion for music, which is kind of crazy. Yeah. Wasn't I think I read somewhere that your father was like a guitar player or something too? Yeah, so my dad my dad played guitar. My dad and my uncle actually would play together. My uncle's and my uncle and my cousin are actually quite good guitarists, but um but yeah, my 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 dad taught me to play guitar, really basic stuff when I was like maybe eleven or something, and so I had I had knowledge of that and I enjoyed it. But again, it wasn't that 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 wiring in my brain kind of hadn't solidified yet. And I think, you know, I was like a really serious student and a very like I was like a really serious basketball player and oh, cool. all this. Yeah, like I I think I had these other super regimented ways of dealing with my own mind and then I found music and it was like this chaotic maelstrom swirling you know whatever that that was very appealing to me once I found it I guess you were a Bulls fan maybe I am a Bulls fan yeah well from Illinois and think about how great the Bulls were back you know in the 90s I know I I did I did come of age in like the golden era of the Bulls which it's, is pretty nice. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I was a Bulls fan too, and I'm from Toronto. So, mm. but you, you say that about about having these kind of other passions and music sort of fading away, and passions changing. And sometimes I talk to guys, and we'll we'll talk on this thing, and we'll just start talking about sports. And you know, it's a music podcast. Half the people listening to this, or more than half the people, don't give a fuck about sports at all. And <laughs> and then it's funny because people will always say like, "Oh, I was a kid." And I was kind of into sports, and then I got so immersed in music, and now I'm, like, really into sports again. And it's funny how these, like, passions come and go. And in a way, maybe that's, like, what's happening with you in music. Like, you kind of abandoned music a little bit, you know, in your in your teens, and then was like, holy shit, wait a second. 
music's actually yeah. re- important to me. <laughs> you know, yeah, and, except you were a late bloomer. But was there like anyone saying to you, like when you were whatever you say, like twenty, you know, already in like college? Was there anybody saying to you, like, oh, it's too late, like, sorry, it's it's over for you? Like, <laughs> no, you know, it's funny. Nobody ever said that to me, and the and the thought never crossed my mind. I mean, the awesome. other the other thing to remember too is like when I started making music, I had no aspirations of. Mm-hmm doing it like as a job or in any professional capacity. So, and, and I, I think I've always been sort of marching to my own rhythm my whole life. Um, and not to say I'm oblivious to the (laughs) world because I'm, I'm not like I'm, I'm aware of what's going on, but I've, I sort of developed this disregard for, um, like other people's expectations of me when I was Mm -hmm. pretty young and, I think, you know, as a consequence, once I've put my mind onto something, I approach it with like this childlike zeal and maybe, maybe it's a little bit naive too, but it's very pure. Um, and I think that's kind of driven. I mean, even, even to this day, like me learning new instruments, like I'm, I'm like a little kid. I'm like smiling. I'm so happy. So it's just. (laughs) Yeah, there was something very pure, I think, yeah. about the, the way I approached it. And maybe maybe as a consequence of that, nobody ever questioned it. Right. Yeah, I guess there's a certain level of just kind of confidence and fun that goes into it. But, you know, I always say, like, it's better to be a little naive than be jaded. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. I mean... That's, you know, and, and I, I still feel like there's times when I'm, no matter how long I've been doing this, I've, you know, I've been singing for my band for like 17 years. And I still yeah. want to have that excitement. I still want to smile, you know, um, and I don't want to feel like I know everything and I hate everything. And I think that's like if you can keep that for as long as possible, like that's really something you can hang on to. Yeah. I mean, I think for me also, because this isn't like a quote unquote childhood dream of mine. I mean, yeah. it's my current dream and passion <laughs> and, and life pursuit, but there's there's a level of disbelief that accompanies everything I do where I'm like, this is fucking weird. Like, I had never been on stage. I had never, you know, so every experience that I have, I, I'm kind of like, I'm like half anthropologist, half <laughs> kid. You know, I'm just like, this is kind of a weird thing. Like, even, you know, when I did, I played Warp Tour, like, I don't know, in 2014, 14, I guess. Yeah, yeah. And... I felt I really felt like I was on Mars. It was the, it was the craziest thing. And um, my my friend Nick, who was playing drums with me at the time, he grew up going to Warped Tour, so he was like stoked. He knew everything. Like, yeah. it, you know, he he was in his element, and I I felt like, you know, I was I was like exploring and discovering this world, and that's kind of how I always feel. I'm like, this is strange that I'm doing this, but I like it. But it's also strange. Yeah, well, you're the way you seem to approach things is uh, is I don't want to say strange, but it's not like I said atypical, and I think that yeah. that makes you you, and I think that that makes you special and w- makes you interesting. And you know, it's funny. Warp Tour is a you know my band's done Warp Tour. Uh, this is gonna we're doing it this summer. It's gonna be our eighth time. Oh my you know? god! So you you know? Yeah. Oh, I know. And I've been going. <laughs> I've been to every single one since 1997. Was the first one I went to as a, like a fan. And then I've gone or played every year since. So, yeah, for me, I'm like your drummer. Uh, right. You know, but I can totally understand how weird that would be. I mean, especially, I guess, not earlier in your career, but like you hadn't done a ton of festival tours, probably. You, you know, you hadn't really toured with all these different kinds of bands. And then Warp Tour just has the weirdest stuff where like you don't know what time you're going to play. Um, yeah. Like that's that whole thing, you know. So, would you do it again? Um, n- no, <laughs> no I, I don't, I, you know, what's funny is, is I, from a social perspective and, um, and kind of like the people that I've been drawn to throughout my career, there are so many people who've played warp Tour, been involved with it are yeah. in that scene that I've just naturally gravitated towards. And yeah. I, because I think there is, regardless of genre, so much of my like personal ethos is like just like to to be humble not like i'm not trying to be like one of these people out there like be humble um but you know like 
I, you know, I think it's important to have a, a high level of humility. I also think it's important to, you know, like retain a DIY kind of perspective on, on your life, not just your career. And so I think, yeah. you know, there's a lot of commonalities. So from a social perspective, I would, I, I, I really enjoyed it, but from a, from a lifestyle perspective, I think like, I felt like I almost died. Like it was. <laughs> did you do the whole thing? I did the whole thing. Yeah. Oh, damn. Yeah. Yeah. Like I just reached this point where like I'd wake up at seven, you know, to check the schedule, see what I'm playing. Yeah. And like we had kind of had like my tour manager basically like had a nervous breakdown, had to leave. So there were, it, I was kind of out on my own towards the end and I would wake up at like seven. There would be no water on the bus. I would out of just thirst drink a beer i was like this is not this is so wrong yeah this out of thirst just, sure yeah well I have, thirst and just like i get very survival yes yeah. i get very thirsty on warp tour if you know what i mean <laughs> out behind the trailer with like 24 cool lights or something oh my god yeah it was just from and i'm really bad at being hot like i get really really um like psychologically disturbed when i'm hot for a long time and so i think i was yeah, it was too hot for me. Too yep. hot for me. No, it's it's brutal. And uh, <laughs> yeah, we definitely. <laughs> um, damn, so much to talk about. Uh, this is awesome. <laughs> so yeah, I know. I mean, I know. Like, obviously, you kind of got started sort of more in like the rap world, I guess. Um, I don't really yeah. know how to how to just like talk about that. But it seems like now you could go on tour with like a rock band, a rap group some something else like indie rock i don't even know really like where you're at with that um so talk talk me through a little bit how you guys kind of like got started some of your first tours and sort of what you found about like maybe about the rap world um and kind of now leading you into the rock world and now i don't even know kind of where you're <laughs> where you're standing yeah well i mean so yeah the whole the whole genesis of me starting to make music was that i was exposed to indie rap and like conscious rap and yeah. sort of like spoken word stuff like Saul Williams and you know all this really um for me both from a from an intellectual perspective like I'm listening to this and I'm thinking like this is fucking smart this is like social commentary that is framed in this really interesting way and then on the flip side uh, from from a wordplay and like word game perspective, I think I was really drawn to it because I, the, the one common theme throughout my whole life is that I, I love the power of language and the ability we all have to manipulate it. And I think yeah, it's kind of like the ultimate human magic trick is, is language. And, you know, out of thin air, we made this thing and now you and I are talking on and granted we've made some magic because i'm talking to you on facetime audio and i don't honestly know exactly what that is but <laughs> it sounds um, great <laughs> sounds great but without you know without this like i do think it's out of thin air we've made this thing and it's a beautiful thing so that was that was my entry point and i just started rapping and i was in the bay area um and i just you know there were a lot of there's a there's kind of like a rap crew in on the west coast called the living legends and a bunch of those dudes uh -huh. were really big supporters of of me early on and that was just kind of i think really um at that time in my life was just so exciting to me and it, it still is exciting to me but uh, again speaking to like this childlike you know wonderment then i started discovering like live instruments and I had the ability to record in a studio and you know as like as I became exposed to I think a broader spectrum of music making and once I learned how to kind of sing I didn't really know how to um I guess sort of use my own voice in that way once yeah. I once I kind of got in touch with that um then it, then it started to coalesce a bit and this was all happening by the way like I I was basically signed to RCA very early yeah. in my career. Yes. And so I was like doing a lot of studio sessions and playing a lot of opening on a lot of different tours. Like early on, I opened for uh, Passion Pit and 303 
Theophilus London. Like I was doing like rap stuff, yeah. indie stuff, whatever. And I think just it was all kind of like a soup in my head. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, coming from, you know, starting out so late and not really knowing that much about the music industry, was there some darkness you found and some like things you were like, ah, oh, fuck, that kind of sucks. Like, and this is going to be a thing now that's like a part of what I do. Like, was there some things oh. that you kind of like, you know, when you pull back the curtain and you look, were there some things like that that just sort of bummed you out or maybe still do? Oh, definitely. I mean, I will say that. So I met my manager, Seth, who's like also my best friend. We lived together in New York for many years. And then he and his now fiance and I all lived together like super, super tight. Um, but, you know, we met right at the beginning. And I think if you're able to have a team around you that has the same values and the same level of both or the same kind of like optimism, cynicism balance, I do think it <laughs> sort of protects you. Like even when you are really disillusioned by something or yeah. disappointed, it's like a family, you know, even if you have a bad day at school, if your family rules, like it's, it's kind of okay. Or if you're really tight group of friends, um, you know, is great and supports you and shares your belief system. I think, I think it's a, it's like a protection against some of that, but oh, I mean, undoubtedly I'm bummed out by things. You know, I think, I think what kind of bums me out is I, you know, there's this tendency right now to, to sign artists really early on. And, yeah. you know, as someone who went through that process and luckily, you know, I think emerged for, for the better, um, you know, I, I've just seen a lot of people with tremendous talent, but it's, it's so undeveloped and so nascent and their identity is, oh, it's, it's like a very, um, nebulous thing. Um, yeah. them get kind of sucked into a, a machine that isn't made for them and they don't come out <laughs> very happy on the other side. So I think True. that's something that, that kind of, you know, it kind of disappoints me just because I've, I've sort of been there and, and I know it takes a lot of resilience and a, and a really like, like I say, like that strong family to help you make it through. No, no, definitely. Um, and plus I yep. will also say, I know you're a man and yep. I, I love many men, but there are a lot of really creepy men in the music. Well, industry. yeah, I mean, and, and I mean, <laughs> I don't want to throw, I don't want to throw rap under the bus, uh, you know, obviously rap is the most outwardly with some of the like lyrical content. Um, you know what I mean? But I'm, I mean, rock music isn't great either. Um, music industry is not great either. Um, for, you know, fucking yeah. people being misogynistic and shitty. Um, yeah. I mean, that must've been, was that hard for you to like kind of wrap your head around or did you sort of expect it? Oh, I expected it. I mean, you know, our, our president right now is Donald Trump, who yeah. pretty much like hates women. So I, you know, I don't, I don't find it shocking at all. I think, I think our entire world is unfortunately filled with a lot of misogyny and other forms of um, kind of like weird, deep-seated hatred. Uh, yeah. But so it wasn't, it wasn't surprising. And you know, I was raised in a very, um, yeah, I was just my whole family. My brother was raised my you know, my, both my dads, like they are super, super feminist mm -hmm. and, you know, it raised me in that capacity. So I, I wasn't personally super affected by it. I think just to an internal, you know, I'm lucky to have that kind of candle burning within me, but, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's hard when you look at, you know, you take label meetings and everyone, all the high level executives are men. You don't see anyone who's, you know, like, it is weird. Like, I'm yeah. constantly with men. I'm just, like, all the time with men. And sometimes I say to, you know, the people I work with, I'm like, can you imagine, just, like, imagine the flip side for a sec. If you were in a room with 15 women, like, would you, what would that feel like for you? Sure. You know? Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's, it's more just like a, it's kind of a trip. It's bizarre. Um Sorry, that was kind of a disorganized answer. Oh, I like I'm, disorganized answers. I love the tangents. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. Okay. I love it. That's, that's the beauty I'm of this. I'm drinking co coffee a lot of it right oh, now. Like I I'm, love, I'm jealous. You know when you're drinking coffee like it's water? You're like, oh, I'm just going to take gigantic gulps of this. That's and every it's like, day for what? me. Yes. 
That's how I roll. You mentioned Trump. I know you have a song on the new record. The new record's fantastic, by the way. I really, Thank really you. like it. And you have a song called uh, President Has a Sex Tape, which is yes. a pretty, like, you're not trying to be very mysterious with the lyrics or what you're talking about. You're being very pointed. Talk, talk me a little bit through that song, like, when it was written, because obviously, like, everyone kind of thought, oh, this might happen, you know, back right. at the end of last year, and then, but no one really thought it would, and then it did, and it was like, oh, fuck, like, w- when did you write that song, and uh, kind of talk me through exactly, like, if there's a specific thing about it, or, or um, how it all came about. Yeah, uh, so that song, okay, so I was at home for, for this Christmas uh, with my family, and um, I have, so I have a brother and a sister, and we were all home, which is like kind of rare due sure. to yeah. our weird jobs and like very. They both live on the East Coast. My parents are in the the Bay Area, and I'm wherever the hell I am in the world. And <laughs> so we were all together, which was great. But my parents just moved to like a small, like an apartment type space, so we were really crowded. Like we were all crammed in together, and I I was feeling this. Um, I was feeling really cooped up because I'm used to this level of just like, I'm going to stay up till 6 a.m. and like do whatever the fuck I want and make music and be loud or, you know, this kind of right. freedom totally of understand. schedule, which I'm sure, yeah, you totally get. I feel like yeah. most, like any type of like writer or painter or, you know, you kind of like work at odd hours and. Yeah, I'm definitely like that. Yeah. And you're, you're used to having some, some of that flexibility. And I, because I was with my family and we were like, you know, going to the ocean and like doing these really nice things, which, and I love my family very much. Um, but I felt like, I felt like a little rat in a, like a, in a cage. And, and I was very kind of frustrated in this strange way. And so I, I wrote that baseline. I was, I brought my bass home with me because I wanted to practice. Okay, I was like practicing yeah. every day. I'm trying to get better or whatever. And I wrote that baseline that, is kind of runs throughout the song and yeah. I, you know I was thinking not just about Donald Trump but and I've been mulling it over since but you know I I had this feeling you know when I think about did you ever listen to the the Mark Marin interview with Barack Obama uh, no I didn't actually I love Mark Marin but <gasps> no, I didn't really listen to it Oh my God, you totally have to. I will. If, I definitely I mean, will. I, I listen to Mark Marin too. I listen to a lot of podcasts. and um, But it's, you know, I think what it brought home for me was just, you know, what, regardless of your politics, like Barack Obama is a very articulate, thoughtful, um, open, tolerant person. Yes. And, yes. I agree and, with that. You know, listening to, I know people use this adjective like professorial as negative about him, but you, you listen to him, him talk and there's like an eloquence and a beauty to it. And I was just thinking, you know, and I had said this to a friend that like, I think if Kim Kardashian ran for president, she'd win too. Like, I don't even think it has <laughs> to do with necessarily like politics or dissatisfaction. I think it's that like, we're we're in this place where like it just feels like nothing is sacred like the presidency fuck it like let's have a reality star be the guy like who knows nothing who's like i mean you know he's he's truly this erratic very very um strange thinking i mean this is somebody who's disagreeing with like all the scientists in the world it's just i know you know this but it's completely insane <laughs> and then I'm just like, and you know what? Like, there's naked pictures of everybody on the internet. <laughs> there, this this age of utter transparency. It just made me feel like we have devolved rapidly. Yes. And I just felt like, you know, we're destroying the earth. You know, like we're we're just. I don't know what's happening, but it it is happening, and it's like upsetting to me. Do people just not? Like care? Like are their lives so boring? They just want to like, what's the craziest thing that can happen? Like is oh that how God. people are, are voting? Like I don't, I don't understand. Think, it, you know, or or people just really believe yeah. this, or they're they. I just don't. You know, you say the thing about Obama being, you know, a, a beautiful speaker and and having this eloquence, and aren't shouldn't don't you think most people should be more attracted to that 
than no, people spouting don't. spouting like aggression and hate. You know, well, just 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 based on yeah. surface alone. You know, it just blows my mind. Oh. But it's not. But I guess the world doesn't work it's, like that. It's it's so yeah. weird. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know how the world works, clearly. But um, <laughs> this was all, I guess this is to say, this was all kind of brewing in my mind. And my, my family's very, um, very, like, left politically. Yeah. And also my sister works for the government. Like, yeah. we're a pretty, you know, politically minded family. So it was, politics were on the brain. But, yeah, right. I just wrote that baseline and came up with that first line, which is now the title of the song, which I repeat throughout it. Yeah. Just... Um, yeah. And then, and then I kind of felt like, you know, I know a lot of the people that, especially a lot of the newer listeners to my music are young people who didn't vote in this election. And I I do think it's important if, if you feel like you want to have a voice in this way, I think it's important to do it. So I, I was sort of like, fuck it, let's uh, let's like finish this song. Let, 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 right. let, me, let me make it into a song. And right. um, and then I turned it in right before the record was due, like a day before. Or something. Oh, cool. That's cool. Yeah, it's always funny when songs can kind of come out of like the like last minute, the one you don't expect to make the album, and you're like, oh, yeah, it's there. It's awesome. I like always totally. like that. I always like that. Uh, so uh, you, you mentioned a little bit earlier about how you got signed very early in your career uh, to RCA. And mm-hmm. then you ended up leaving RCA Records, and I read somewhere that you basically lost like sixty songs to the label because you'd, you know, you're under contract yeah. with them when you wrote all these songs. How did that happen? You must have some regrets there about how that all shook out. Um, maybe not the yeah. leaving part, but having to lose all that material. And and uh, actually, if you could start with how you got signed, because people love hearing that story too. How you got discovered by RCA and all that. Oh, um, well, actually, the discovery story maybe isn't that interesting. I I put out, I was doing a lot of sample-based music when I started out, largely just because I didn't have the capacity to, like, record a lot of instrumentation. So I would just use, you know, like a, a bass sound from something else or a little riff or whatever. Right. Um, and I put out a song that sampled... Um, a grizzly bear song and it kind of just did really well on the internet and this was this was at a moment when hype machine was i kind of feel like nearing the apex of its like a and r viability or something like that and maybe maybe it still is it it seems like it's a more remix based now but um yeah so so anything that hit number one was like immediately every like a and R person at yeah, any label around. was calling. Sure. Yeah, so I um that that was essentially what happened. And I had just started working with Seth, my manager, and we were like fielding all these calls and it was very overwhelming. And I ended up it's it's actually quite a long story and maybe you'll <laughs> just have to have me back to fully explain sure, it. Sure, I'd love to have you back, absolutely. The, the president of Epic Records that was a woman named Amanda Ghost and she kind of became this big champion for me and I didn't I didn't sign with her um, but I I signed a publishing deal first um, and kind of waited on a record deal and then moved to New York and started working on more material and then signed to RCA so I had kind of been uh, talking to them and some other labels for like about a year and then right. finally made that decision. So it felt like, you know, in my mind I was thinking it through, which was good, but I was still, I just still did not have that internal knowledge quite yet of, of who I, who I was even, even just as a person on some level. And as like a young adult and, you know, when you say like, I lost these songs, it's, it's true. I did, but I actually, they weren't that good. <laughs> like I had reached this point, you know, I got signed because I was weird. And as soon as I got signed, they wanted to make me less weird. And, yeah. and, you know, I got put in my, the first session I ever did was with Pharrell. You know what I mean? Like I well, came from damn, that going been kind of, uh, what's the word? <laughs> uh, like scary. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it was scary. I actually 
here, okay, this is kind of a funny story. I'll yeah, tell yeah. So I want to hear that story. I got, I got flown out to Miami to work with him. And by the way, I will say he was incredibly nice and generous and warm, like everything you would want him to be. He was, um, and so on a personal level, I really enjoyed the experience, but that, that day was when I signed the contract to RCA. So they like couriered the contract to the studio and I signed it there. And I think, I think other people were wanting it to be this like moment, you know, yeah. where it's, yeah. so we went out to this really nice dinner. Um, that was like, I ended up spending $200 on dinner and like, I'm, <laughs> you know, as I mentioned to you, I'm from the Midwest. Like, I, this morning, all I, or what I had for lunch today was a piece of toast with butter and a hard boiled egg. Like I'm a simple woman <laughs> and I, so we went out to this like really elaborate dinner and I got back to the hotel, which was also this nice hotel and just threw up <laughs> and it kind of, I should have seen it as a metaphor because it ended up kind of happening that way, but um, or as a, as a harbinger, I guess, for the years to come. Right. But, yeah. Damn. Yeah. So, right. The night I signed my record deal, I vomited a $200 dinner, the most expensive dinner I had ever bought in my life. Um, and yeah, so I just, I just got thrown into a lot of sessions, yeah. you know, and this is, this is like, I know it's a super common thing among, uh, especially solo artists. Bands too now, but definitely solo artists like, you know, with different producers and it's, it's hard. It's hard to not lose yourself in that process. I, I felt. Yeah, I yeah. agree, especially as a new artist, because, you know, you don't really know what to stand. You're standing up for, you know, Yeah. you have an idea, they have an idea and it's like, well, who's like, which direction do we go? And it's like sometimes hard to fight for your own when you don't even really know what you're totally. what you're trying to do. Yeah, and if yeah. somebody's, you know, 20 years older than you or 15 years older and has yep. has had, like, massive success, you know, you kind of, logic tells you you should probably defer to them a little bit. Um, but you know what was, I, I actually, somebody made this premonition early in my career right when I signed. They were like, you know what, you're probably going to, like, spend three years in sessions learning things and then get dropped and then be more successful when you leave, which is, like, you know, I guess what happened right. ultimately, but, yeah. um, I did, I did learn a lot from those sessions, but you know, when I look back on a lot of those songs, there's great stuff in some of them, but I was in a very lost place and it, it was, um, I, I don't, I actually like rarely, I think I had like a two month mourning period and then I just moved on. Yeah. Well, with, with the labels too, like being, you know, on a major label and stuff, were they telling you like what, well, obviously they're telling you what to do, like who to work with and stuff, but were they telling you like what to wear, what to say, how to look like that whole side of it? Was that a part too? Because that seems like as a woman too, that would be something they would be concerned about maybe more so than, oh, he's like a rock guy wearing a leather jacket, whatever. You know what I mean? Right. Right. Um, you know, oddly enough, they were not. And oh. I actually, I really appreciated that. I do yeah. feel like the, the people that I worked with, um, at RCA and I actually have run, you know, I've obviously seen many of them since these days. I still really, um, have a lot of respect and affinity for, I mean, I think nobody, nobody ever sought to compromise like my basic integrity in any way. It was, it was more just like, Hey, like work with this producer and we'll find the sound here. It was more, um, I think about the musical content, but the other thing too is, and I know you're not like, we're not interacting in a physical space at the moment. Um, <laughs> but I feel like once you meet me, you kind of know that I wouldn't do that. Right. Well, you know what I mean? Um, so I, I think there was a, there was a sense right off the, the bat that that was not going to be a part of the, a part of the program. The negotiation. Yes. <laughs> yes. The non-negotiable. Yeah. 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 Definitely. What you see is what you get. And that's, I think that, that, I think, I think ultimately though, people like that about you because they're like, you really are genuine. Like you're not fake. And a no. lot of, of, you know, artists, mainstream, you know, mainstream major label artists, whatever you want to call it 
are really just really fake. Like there's not any substance and nothing's real. Um, and that's, that's the truth, you know? Yeah. You know, it's like, I think the, I, I, you know, one of the lessons I learned really early on with touring, especially when I was, cause I used to play alone on stage. So it's, you know, which is, which is kind of a scary thing. Potentially. Yeah, def- absolutely. It is. And I think what I, what I intuited and then later was able to sort of formulate um, coherently in my mind was this, this understanding that if I, if I were truly expressing myself on stage, if I was in the moment and I believed in the songs, even if the songs were super shitty, like I look back and I'm like, Oh my God, I can't believe I did that. Like, I'm just like, I cringe at myself, (laughs) but I mean, I know we all cringe, but I think what, what caused me to, you know, to continue on and for people to like not, boo me off stage or, you know, what, what, not to have like these super negative reactions and sometimes positive reactions. Um, it was that I was just really being true to myself. You know, I was, and I think, you know, that's, that's really guided me far. And it's, it's something that I'm, I'm certainly drawn to in other, like just people in general, not even music people. Um, and I find it, I also find it very uh, embarrassing to not be myself. Like, I feel this weird humiliation when I try to, like, pretend. <laughs> yeah, I, so. I totally understand. <laughs> I totally understand that. So, which I think is, for some people, I think it's the reverse. They feel very, like, humiliated and embarrassed to be themselves. Um, yeah, but not, that must be a horrible way to live. Yeah. You know? That seems, yeah, that, that just made me kind of sad yeah, saying that out loud. Yeah, for sure. I, I, me too. That's crazy. But what happened with RCA? Like, what, why did why the breakaway and then go, becoming an indie artist for a minute and then uh, obviously being on Interscope now and having a brand new record out? How, how did that all kind of shake out? Well, the shakeout, it was like a gradual... I was kind of putting out these mixtapes and stuff and they were being cool with it, like being like, hey, do whatever you want. We're not going to help promote them or anything, but like... <laughs> You can put them out, okay. which is which, which is, is all right. Which is yeah, okay. Yeah, totally. So I was kind of like flying under the radar. I put out at the very end. I put out this EP that just like I mean, there's some good things about it, and there were a couple songs that I really loved, but it just felt like I don't know. I, it was just it, I think it it felt certainly to me like there was nothing productive happening in our partnership and. Mm-hmm. Again, as a testament to the people that I worked with over there, they <laughs> acknowledged that. And, you know, we asked if we could be dropped and they did that. That's pretty cool. So was, it, you know, you hear about late, like bands getting like fucking tied up in shit for years, you know, and mm-hmm. they can't they can't make new records and they can't because they're under contract and all this stuff, you know. Uh, so, yeah, yeah. you got to give them some some respect for that for sure oh for for yeah. sure i mean i i've kind of i've said this a couple of times before but i really do think about that that record deal as like a first very young marriage yeah like right. you don't really know each other you don't know yourself like you don't know what you want in a in a partner um, you know in a way and and so it but luckily like there were no kids you know, I didn't put out. <laughs> I love I didn't that. Put out a record. You're really good at this stuff. This this analogy <laughs> stuff. That's like the third um, or fourth one. You've just like nailed it. This is awesome. Okay. Um, okay. Cool. Hopefully more on the way. But um, yeah. So that they let me go, and then I was like bummed out for a second, and then I wrote this album, which is my first album, Life Is a Dog, which I then you know I had been touring pretty pretty relentlessly, mm-hmm. so I had this really invested not huge, but a fan base that I really like cultivated and interacted with. And I think we felt connected to each other. And so put out that record and we did a crowdfunding for it, which I was pretty anxious to do anxious in the sense that I was nervous. So I'm not eager. Yeah. Um, And that can can feel, I mean, that's, that's the whole crowdfunding thing is still like a little bit like uh, I'd say the last, the last few podcasts I've done, we've talked about it because a few uh, bands, like, it's becoming so prevalent. Mm-hmm. And I always ask people, like, did you have kind of mixed feelings about, like, 
doing that and putting that pressure on your fans and then there's also the like well what if it doesn't get there you know there's like this there's like two there's like two fears you know um Mm -hmm. so yeah how was that for you i mean you know it it was good it was actually it was very unexpectedly so positive i think you know i put out a lot of music for free like up until that point almost everything i had put out was free so i do think there was this a lot of people felt like they wanted they like it shows all the time people would be like can i pay for this and i was like no it's just free download it um so i think there was a sense that people wanted to support and wanted to sure you know actively wanted to do that and i'm also by nature a very i feel guilty all the time so as soon as i know that somebody's expecting something from me like i will deliver it um so <laughs> i you know the minute it was like oh shit now we've like we funded this thing and we you know we went like over our goal and we had just this like really beautiful uh, outpouring of support i was like okay gotta do it and um you know we i busted out that record in like a couple months everything and it was i think it really renewed my faith in in myself and in the the business of this because as you know from being on the road and touring and spending time with people like it's essentially a human transaction you know between a listener and somebody making something and it's being reminded of that you know in the in the wake of this kind of like career disappointment or failure or however you want to view it uh was very affirming and and kind of I think sort of kept me, kept me on the path. Well, your relationship with your fans is, is pretty cool. And I know one thing I wanted to ask you about, which I thought was really rad and a really cool idea was the crush me book. Oh yeah. Uh, which you had, I guess you had it just at your merch table basically. And people would be able to write, um, kind of their heartbreaking moments or mm-hmm. moments where they've caused heartbreak, which I thought was sort of a, also a cool thing for people to kind of get a release from that tell me how that came about and and you know how that was for you like obviously reading those stories yeah I mean I I think what I've I've had this sense and this is actually um sort of where the title for this last album came from but this this sense of like right you go to a place and on some level it's just like every other place. Right. You the know, title is everywhere is somewhere, right? Just so people yes, know. Yes, the title is everywhere yes. is somewhere. Yes. And, you know, so it's kind of a play on that word some, which is like everywhere is just somewhere. You know, the sky exists. People are trying to like live and love and get fucked up on the weekends and follow a sports team. And, you know, it's like even in the face of, you know, incredible tragedy and hardship, people are just looking for the same stuff and you know then then the flip side is that everywhere is somewhere like it's a place that's imbued with incredible meaning and memory and you know pain or joy or whatever it is and i think i think touring really drives that home and so i i sort of wanted to capture the i guess that spectrum of um universality but also specificity in terms of every night in um you know in every city giving people a chance to express their their place at that moment and mm-hmm. i've i'm a i'm a really big believer in physical things especially in our our digital age like at this point like posting something to instagram isn't that interesting you know it's like everybody does that um True. i think it's i think it's more compelling to engage people in in a physical sense you know and this book kind of affirmed that for me because people were extra i mean i posted about it you know like once to explain it and then people just they just went with it i mean like it was it was its own um it's kind of its own thing and i don't know i mean it was really like i would read it and some of the stuff in there was just so heartbreaking and really you know, it's a reminder too. Like, even when you're at the grocery store, like the person next to you may have just, like, <laughs> might be going through the craziest. Right. Um, of course, you don't know. You don't know. Absolutely. Yeah, loss or you know, because it'd be things like 
you know, my brother killed himself and I don't know what to do. Um, or I think I just met the person that I'm like going to have kids with, you know, it's just, just, and then everything in between. Um, did that start making you view your fans differently? Like did the, the, all of a sudden when you started reading this stuff, were you like looking out in the crowd and just being like, almost like putting these stories to, into these random people and being like, that person could be this. Like, did, did you find like more of an emotional connection with your fans? Cause I feel like that could happen. Yeah. I think more than that, I, I just felt this greater sense of responsibility and obligation a little bit for the show to be an incredibly safe space for people to be vulnerable and open and yeah. connected to themselves and to other people. And I think, you know, as the person on stage with the microphone, you set the tone. And if I'm up there really connecting with the experience, being emotional, I, I think that, you know, I, I think the book just made me remember like every night before I get up on stage, like I need to put myself in that headspace. Like I'm, I yeah. don't, I don't want to ever be phoning it in um, because, yeah. Yeah. you know, people are using this, this time, this one hour to, to, or an hour and a half or whatever it is to, to get, you know, to connect to themselves in a different way or to leave themselves for a little bit or, you know, whatever it is. No, it's a, it's a really beautiful thing. And it's like, I think it's an amazing idea, which I would totally rip off if I didn't like you. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's, it's, it's really, really awesome. So I don't want to take up too much more of your time. Um, I want to ask you a little bit just about like your transition from kind of doing more of a rap thing into singing and you know, because obviously singing isn't usually something people just pick up overnight, but you become quite a great singer. Well, thank you. Um, I mean, I I feel like I'm... Uh, okay, so two parts to this answer, organizing my thoughts. Um, <laughs> the first is that singing was new to me and therefore exciting, you know, as this thing like... When, once I kind of figured out how to how to use my voice... It was really, from a creative standpoint, I was like, oh, my God, look at all these things I can do now. Right. You know, with melody. And it just opened up, I think, a new world of songwriting. Plus, as you can tell from this interview, like, I'm a fairly talkative person. And I think <laughs> if you, I, like, I need something to rein me in. And when I was when I was rapping, you know, you can say, like, 8,000 words in a rap song. Um, you you can't say as many in a in a more traditional sung song. Yeah, you're right. So yeah, you're totally right. It's it's like a form of editing, <laughs> like <laughs> built-in editing, which I, I think forced me to really consider, like, okay, what are what are the essential elements of what I'm saying? How can I include detail, but only the important detail? You know. Um, and not litter this thing, you know, as like a as a long novel, but thinking about it as as a short story. And so, so that was. I think I understood at some point that that was a good thing. For, did, it, did it change your performances? Like when you were like, oh, or even how you lived, like being like, oh, I gotta sing, like I gotta like hit these notes and stuff. Like if my voice is a little messed up, like did it start being um, a little more stressful for you, or not really? I feel like um, I well. My manager will be mad at me, but no, I didn't change anything. <laughs> um, I mean, I warm up now. I've been warming okay. up for the last, like, maybe eight months. But before that, I truly did nothing. Like, I'd have a shot of whiskey and go on stage. Um, <laughs> and I'm more in that category myself, so I... Yeah, and it, it also depends, I think, too, on the kind of singing you're doing. You know, for me, I'm a lot of my singing is, is like, kind of tone-heavy. Like, I have a very particular tone whatever when I sing mm -hmm. and I'm not hitting you know the range of notes that I'm hitting is is not immense right so, you're not belting out the highest note you can sing at every time absolutely not right no 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 so it's not as taxing you know it's not like I'm Adele out here um <laughs> doing, like nowhere even close I'm I'm one-tenth of Adele uh and yeah so singing was I, yeah, it just, I think it helped me to focus in a lot of ways. And then, you know, on the flip side of that, I would sing and people would say to me like, Hey, I really like the way your voice sounds. And 
this was, you know, before people had said, oh, hey, I really like what you're saying. Right. And now they were kind of giving me this other feedback. They were like, I like what you're saying and I like the was tone this, of your voice. Was there any self-consciousness about it when you started doing it? <gasps> oh, for sure. I, I felt very uncertain about it, you know, and I think yeah. it, it, I was lucky, you know, again, to have that, the, the strange resilience or whatever within myself to just be like okay whatever like this is this is this new thing and um yeah there, there was definitely a level of self-consciousness though uh, you know kind of buried underneath and i think you you chip away at that just, just through experience that yeah, was at least right. was Absolutely. how it went for me totally don't totally right that's amazing well thanks so much for taking the time uh to do this and everything um, yeah, what, for sure. Shane, uh, thank you for having. Yeah, me. what's going on next for you? You got a new record that just came out uh, like last week. Yes. Um, so mm -hmm. I guess you're going to be doing some shows and stuff. How can people yes, uh, find um, you? Yeah, I'm leaving next week. We play a show in uh, one more show, two more shows in the U.S. We're going to, also going to Hawaii, where I've never been. Ooh, playing a show there. that's fun. Yeah, um, and then we're going to be in Australia for about a month. And Amazing. Then yeah, just uh, essentially on tour for the the foreseeable future. Forever, um, forever. You yeah, you know how it goes. But it's it's <laughs> like that beautiful balance of of make, recording stuff and then figuring out how it's going to live in a in a spontaneous, strange, dirty environment, and then doing it all over again. That's how it, that's how we roll. <laughs> well, thank you so much for, for taking the time, and uh, I hope you have a great rest of your day, and, and maybe take it a little more easy on the coffee. Yes. Actually, I, I no, will. no. You, Don't, I won't tell yeah, you what to do. You do. No, you. no, no. Don't. Keep drinking coffee, and I hope, um, if, I, if I don't speak to you or see you before a work tour, I hope it's a good summer and that you stay cool and don't, don't drink too much beer behind the trailer. Operation Don't Die. <laughs> Begins now. <laughs> okay. Take care. Take care, Shane. All right, bye now. Bye. So there it is with Kay Flay. Uh, yeah, it's funny. We were talking in the interview about her having a lot of coffee. I've had a lot of coffee for this intro and now this outro. I just kind of realized my intro was a little crazy boy. That's okay, though. It's okay to be a little wild. Um, I do love coffee. Just seriously, just hook it to my vein. It's perfect. But what a great talk. She is awesome. She has a new record out right now. It just came out. I've been blasting it all week. And she's going to Hawaii. She's going to Australia. She's doing all this crazy stuff. So make sure you check out her tour dates and go see her when she comes through your city. Next week, we will be back with a new episode, of course. And I hope my northern friends are starting to enjoy the patios, enjoying getting out, taking a walk, enjoying the fresh air. I love spring. It's here. I'm excited. Anyways, seriously, I just want to say thanks again for listening to this thing, helping spread the word. I know you guys tell your friends and tell your brothers and sisters and your moms and dads. My mom, big, big, big fan of the show. Hi, mom. I know you're listening. Hi, mom. So maybe your mom's a fan. Tell your mom. Go tell your mom about lead singer syndrome. Anyways, yes. Okay. I'm going to have some water now. I got to mellow myself out. Maybe it's beer o'clock. Who knows? I pretty much just drink coffee and then it's time to drink beer and that's just, that's just the way my days go. But seriously, thank you so, so much for all the support. As always, I will leave you with a tune. This is a killer song. I know you're going to love it. So here is Blood in the Cut by K-Flay on Lead Singer Syndrome. Peace and love. We'll see you next week. Need the crack of a whip, need some blood in the cut. I need blood.
No idea what happened. <laughs> I don't either, actually. To be honest with you, but anyway, yeah, whatever. I, I, I can, think I can just put. I don't know. Either I don't know if we've totally lost our train of thought, or we can go into something else. No, actually, or if you, I, you I want remember to my your, train of thought. Tra- yeah, go ahead then, and then I can just edit it in. Okay. Well, we can maybe we can reveal afterwards. Like, hey, we made that using the magic of the of computers. <laughs> maybe we should. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we should. I think we should reveal it at the end. Okay. 